Please remain standing for our scripture reading. Every week we go to the scriptures because we believe there is where the person and work of Jesus is most clearly revealed. Um, we're going to be continuing our, our sermon series through the Sermon of the Mount. Um, and this week our sermon will be from Matthew 6, 1 through 6 and 16 to 21. The words should be behind me. Matthew 6, 1 through 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now 16 through 21. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. Uh, my name is Brandon, uh, one of the pastors here at, uh, at Southern Heights. If we haven't met, would love to meet after the, uh, the gathering. Good morning to you at home, uh, gathering online as well. In particular, those of you traveling for the uh, Super Bowl today, you know who you are. As he said, we're in a series uh, looking at the Sermon on the Mount. We're considering what human flourishing, what it looks like. The Sermon on the Mount is a well-known teaching by Jesus uh, and right before he went up on the mount to deliver this sermon, he, he, he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we said that the Sermon on the Mount is essentially an unpacking of what a life of repentance looks like. And last week, uh, Jesus gave a bit of a compare and contrast between the Pharisees and the, the people that make up the community that he is creating. In particular, comparing their righteousness to the righteousness of those who are in this community. And he said, what you, want to, what, what you need, if you want to be one of my followers, is a greater righteousness, a greater righteousness than theirs. The, the word righteousness, just think you're standing before God, how it is that you know you have been accepted by God. See, the problem with the Pharisees is that for them, it was all external. It was all based on how I live, what I did, um, obedience for obedience's sake. And Jesus comes along and says that, that, that that's insufficient. What, what you need is you need an internal heart-level 
heart-transforming righteousness from the inside out. You need a heart-level change. And this week, Jesus is going to pick up where he left off and do so with a warning. You see, sometimes the, the Bible is complex and difficult to understand. The, the Bible actually says that about the Bible. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not hard to understand. Sometimes it's straightforward. Sometimes the problem is not understanding what it says. Sometimes the problem is embracing, living, appropriating what it says. This is one of those texts. Not hard to understand, but hard to let it sink deep in and live it. In this text, it's going to force a question upon us, a question that you need to answer and a question that you and I and we answer unconsciously every single day of our lives. But rather than framing the sermon with the question, what I want to do today is just let the question emerge or bubble up from the text. And so let's talk chapter 6. Chapter 6 begins with an introduction, an opening statement, verse 1. This is his main theme, the main point Jesus is trying to make. Then he gives three examples, three illustrations reinforcing that point, and then a concluding summary with some visual imagery. Uh, in the middle, there's a break that, in, that, that is the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to look at next week. Um, but for this week, um, let's, let's take that structure in that order. Jesus' opening introduction, then the three examples, and then his concluding summary, and let that question bubble up from the text. And so, let's go with verse 1. This is how he opens. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Okay, so here's the, here's the warning. Here's where he jumps off with. He begins with the word, beware. Beware. All right, not be aware, but beware. Where beware, it's got that connotation of danger, of fear, right? Uh, we, when you drive by a house, you don't see be aware of dogs. You see beware of dogs. It's like the hazardous chemical sign, don't go through this gate. On the other side, there's dangerous chemicals over there. Beware. Beware. Jesus is saying there's danger over here. And what is dangerous? Practicing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them. Now, what's interesting is that Jesus, coming off this compare and contrast with the Pharisees, he, he says, your righteousness. Literally, in the text, it comes up, it's, it's just crystal clear. The righteousness of yours, the righteousness that you possess. He, he's not saying, and he's not talking to Pharisees, he's not saying, hey, you Pharisees, beware of living like Pharisees. He's saying, you, beware of practicing your righteousness, the righteousness that you possess, the internal righteousness, beware of practicing that before others in order to be seen by them. He's saying, beware of taking what is on the inside and putting it on the outside in order to be seen and celebrated by others. Now, in the flow of the Sermon on the Mount, there, there seems to be an apparent contradiction at this point. It was a few weeks ago, we said, 
that, that in chapter 5, 16, we, the, the mission statement for the Sermon on the Mount, the what and the why of the Sermon on the Mount was this. Verse 16, 516, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So chapter 5, so that they may see. Chapter 6, beware of being seen. Seeming contradiction in the text, but it's not. What's the point in chapter 6? Motivation matters. Why you do what you do matters. Now, that was in chapter 5 as well, right? They may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Not glorify you, not exalt you, but see you and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And so why then, why would Jesus go directly from where he left off in chapter 5 straight into chapter 6 like this? So in chapter 5, he left off with this, in verse 48, the end of the chapter, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be whole, complete, wholly devoted as your heavenly Father is wholly devoted. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Beware. Why the pivot? Why the pivot? Here's why. Here's what Jesus knows. He knows that the default human heart is this. I obey and therefore I'm accepted. For some of us, maybe it's more aptly worded like this. I'm esteemed by others, therefore I'm loved. Any Enneagram fans in here? Some? Okay, well, not as many as I thought. That's okay. Enneagram personality profile. I'm an Enneagram three. And I've told you guys this before. There's a song written by somebody, I don't know who, but in the song there's the line uh, that these trophies aren't real love. And I remember the first time hearing that and going, why did nobody say so? Because for Enneagram 3, esteem equals love. Esteem equals love. The, the default setting of the human heart is to earn acceptance from others. But using what you do in the church, using how much you give, using what you do in your home, your work to earn the acceptance of others, it will never satisfy what your heart is longing for. It will never get the job done. But worse, it's dangerous. So I said, beware. It's like drinking seawater when you're dehydrating. It feels like it's quenching your thirst when really it's killing you from the inside out. Beware. Beware of living to be seen and celebrated by others. Jesus says that is dangerous. It's dangerous. These are serious words from him. And so now he's going to give three examples to illustrate his points, to reinforce what he is saying, and they have some fairly strong language in them. The three examples he gives are giving to the needy, prayer, and fasting. He uses them for two reasons. One, uh, they were uh, commonly uh, known as foundational religious practices of the day, and two, they were also widely being abused by the Pharisees. So every commentator in the Son that I could find agrees that what he's going to be talking about is the Pharisees. But in, 
In these three examples, he gives the, and uses the same structure for each one. Each example, prayer, uh, I mean, giving, prayer, fasting, they, they all have the same structure. Here's the structure. I believe we have a slide to try to make it visual. And the structure goes like this. Thus, when you pray, when you give, pray, or fast, don't be like the hypocrites who do so in order to be praised by men. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give, pray, fast, do not do it to be seen by others. Our Father who sees in secret will reward you. They all three share the same structure because they're all making the same point. They're all reinforcing the same point that he is making in verse 1. And so let's start with giving first. Verse 2. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So when you give, don't be like the hypocrites. The, the word hypocrite is uh, the word actor. It's literally a word taken right out of the theater, somebody who plays a part for a living. The point is this. Generosity in order to be seen and celebrated for it, is acting. It's playing a part. It's Denzel in Remember the Titans screaming about blood on a uniform. It's a man playing a part. And when you give to be seen, and you are seen for it, you have your past tense reward. You have already been seen and admired, and you've received the admiration you craved, but you don't have the approval of your Father. And it's an important note that I want to give here. Jesus is not prohibiting all public giving, right? Luke 21 celebrates the widow's offering publicly. He's making a statement about motives. Operative word, that. So that. In order that. Because why you do what you do matters to Jesus. When Jesus penetrates your heart, your motives change. It goes from so I can be seen by others to because I've been seen by my Father. Your motives change. Jesus is saying you have a Father who sees you. You don't need to live in order to be seen by others. You have a father who sees you. Listen, I, I have three daughters. And if my daughters, if they don't feel, they don't grow up feeling like their father sees them, they're going to spend their days trying to be seen by anyone and everyone, which is why we've agreed they can start dating when they're 40. Listen, some of you are workaholics, not because you love your job but because you're desperate for your boss's approval. Some of you want a bigger and better house. Not because you think 
I really want the bigger and better house and more space, but so that you can be seen as successful by others. And so you can look in the mirror and like what you see. Jesus is saying you don't need the approval of others. You have it. The Father sees you. You don't need to be seen by others. The Father sees you. Second example, prayer. Verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Here again, prayer to be seen, prayer to be heard, prayer to sound eloquence, prayer so that other people will hear your prayer and admire you because of the quality of your prayer acting. Acting, playing a part, going into the theater and looking spiritual, dependence, devoted to God. When really it's more like Mark 7, did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's opening your mouth and sounding near to God when really your heart couldn't be any farther away. And again, it's Denzel playing a part. It's like the hoarder with a perfectly manicured yard. You drive by and think, oh, what a beautiful home. But you go on the inside, it's unlivable. Giving prayer, now fasting. Verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Don't, don't make too much out of that phrase. That's a phrase referencing the basic hygiene of the day. That, that your fasting, verse 18, may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, what, what is Fasting. Let me, let me read you a quote so that we're all on the same page with what fasting is here. Fasting is the act of abstaining from food for spiritual reasons and primarily expresses openness to divinity, openness to God, and a posture of humility. Fasting is a means of opening oneself up to the work of God, expressing profound grief over sin and pointing to one's ultimate dependence on God. Fasting to be seen. Maybe for us it's not like disfiguring our face, right? But it's the announcing at lunch that I'm fasting. It's the I want you to know why I'm doing or what I'm doing. It's none of those things. It's not openness to God. It's not an act of humility. It's certainly not grief over sin. It's wanting to be seen and celebrated for your superior spirituality. And again, it's like Denzel going into the makeup room, coming out as a character, as an actor. In all three, Jesus is making a singular point. He's making a singular point. Don't be like the hypocrites, the actors, who treat life 
like the theater, because they have already received their their reward. They got the applause. They got the standing ovation at the end of the scene. But at some point, the applause ends and the crowd goes home, and the reward becomes a thing of the past. Listen, there, there was a day, there was a day when trophies felt like love. But you know what those trophies are now? They're sitting in a cardboard box collecting dust in the attic of my parents' house. It's a thing of the past. Why would you live for the praise of men that is only going to at some point become a past tense praise when you have a perpetual and eternal reward waiting for you. Why would you do that? Jesus asks. Why would you do that? You have an eternal, perpetual reward waiting for you. What's the reward? Well, look at how Jesus concludes this section, this summary of the point, this visual imagery that he gives to summarize the point. I love the imagery that Jesus uses. Jesus, the teacher, is just masterful to me. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Actually, he's masterful for all of us, just for the record. Just masterful, full stop. I can stop right there. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, usually this passage is used with a section that's about to come after it, talking about money, and we're going to do that in two weeks. But this section is a bridge. It points backwards and forwards. So it summarizes and then it introduces. And he uses this visual imagery to make a point. And I love it. I love the imagery that Jesus, if you just open the Gospels and you read through them and you just watch Jesus, the teacher, you're just almost never going to find him just saying black and white, true. It's visual. He makes it visual all the time. Why? Because he wants the truth to penetrate. Like he doesn't want you just to believe what's true is true. He wants what's true to penetrate your heart, change the way you live, to reorient his people. He says, don't store up treasures on earth. It's a treasure. He's not, he's not talking about a bucket of gold coins sitting at the bottom of the sea. A treasure, it's what you put, the possession that you value the most. And he's saying, don't let... Don't let the possession that you value the most be what other people think of you. Don't let the possession that you value the most be the esteem that you get from other people. Let the treasure that you value most be your Father in heaven, what he thinks of you. Who is in heaven? Your Father is in heaven. What makes heaven heaven? Your Father is there. Listen, the New Testament coming later, it's got a lot more to say about heaven, but in this day, here's what they would have thought of when they talk about heaven. God is there. It's the abode of God. It's where he is. 
What makes heaven heaven? Your Father is there. Don't, don't have your motive. Don't be compelled by what other people think of you. Be compelled by what your Father thinks of you. He sees you. He sees you. Of the 17 times Father is used in the Sermon on the Mount, 10 are in this chapter. Why? Because he is the reward. He is the treasure. He is the reward. And he is what your heart, where your heart has to be. He is the treasure where your heart will be. But the thoughtful reader of the Sermon on the Mount is going to say we have a problem. We have a problem. Because Jesus is saying, don't, don't let what other people think of you be your treasure. Be that possession that you value most. Let your Father who sees you, rewards you, let what he, what he thinks be what you value the most. Let him be your treasure. The problem is this. I don't do that. You don't do it either. We are all a mixed bag of motives. One of the, I've often, I've heard it said like this, that if you take the Sermon on the Mount seriously, it'll crush you. All right, one of the, one of the things that you commonly hear about Jesus as a teacher is this, something along these lines, I just, I love the teachings of Jesus. I'm not a Christian. I, um, I, I wrestle. I don't really believe everything, but, but I love the teachings of Jesus. I just, and the problem with that is, is that means you're not taking them seriously. Because if you take them seriously, they're crushing. Great teachers don't just give you something to do that you could never actually do. They don't send you out to feel like a perpetual failure. So we have a problem. What's the solution? Colossians 2, 11 and 12. In him you also were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting on the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And on the cross, Jesus was cut off so your old heart could be cut away and you could be given a new, redeemed heart. Then you weren't just buried with him. You didn't just go down with him. You were raised with him. You were resurrected with him. And you can live from a redeemed heart, a new heart. The only way that this isn't crushing is if you know you have the heart of Christ beating in your heart. The heart of the resurrected living Christ beating in your heart, because you know whose heart treasures his father perfectly? His does. His does. Listen. Of course, you will remain a mixed bag of motives, and you will stumble, and you will fail, and you will be led astray, and you will come back. And every time you stumble and you fail, Jesus stands in the gap ready when you fall, and he's ready to give his heart to you again and again and again and again when he picks you up. And you know why? You know why the Pharisees of the day would have wanted to be seen? I'm giving to the needy. 
and I want to be seen doing so. I'm praying to my God, and I want you to see me doing so. I'm fasting because I'm spiritual, and I want you to see me doing so. You know why they would have wanted that? It's because they wanted to be esteemed, looked up to, respected, honored. And you know what it means when it says in Colossians that you are raised with Christ? Raised with Him. The Christ who left the grave, ascended to His Father, seated at the right hand of the throne, the exalted one. It means that you have the esteem of the Father for the Son. The honor of the Father for the Son. You have all the esteem in Christ that you need. You don't need the esteem of others. You have it. You have it. Your Father sees you. You're united to His Son. The resurrected, raised, exalted One. You want to know why so many of us are born, not born, sorry, so many of us carry so many wounds today? from not hearing the words, I'm proud of you enough as a child? Because you are born searching for it, born needing it, and in Christ you have it. In Christ you have it. You don't need praise of men. You have been united to the resurrected and exalted Son. You have all the esteem that you need. Which takes us to our question for today. What does your heart want most? Or maybe maybe you can say it this way. Whose esteem do you want most? Who, Who do you most want to look up to you and think highly of you? You answer that question every day functionally. Maybe today we answer it consciously. I was tempted to say, here's what, here's what I want us to do. I want you to go to your spouse or roommate or people you're in community with or into your parish, what we call, if you're new to Sojourn, our, our community groups, these men, women, children who live life together far more than the community group. I should not have used that term. I was tempted to say, go and just confess. This is what I really want most. But I think the problem is that almost all of us lack the self-awareness to do that. Maybe there's some in here who don't. But I think almost all of us, we, we need one another to expose this in us. And so maybe instead, what we need to do is this. Go to your spouse. Go to your roommate. Go to a friend. Go to people in your parish. And ask them. Ask them this question. What do you think I want most? Whose esteem do you think I want the most? And listen to their answer. And listen, when you answer, here's the sojourn rule. You ready? No spiritual answers. No pretending answers. No, clearly, just Jesus is what you, obviously for you, it would be like, you're so holy. None of that. None of that. And then when they answer, hear their answer. It'll sting. 
It'll sting. But it'll be a good sting. A sting that you probably need. If we were to be wholly devoted, wholeheartedly, where he left off chapter 5, wholehearted devotion to God, if we're to be wholly devoted, then we need to know and we need help knowing where we are tempted to be half-hearted in our devotion to God. Because that's what we're talking about. We need help knowing where we are half-hearted in our devotion to God. Because if we could go back to where we began, this is a warning. It's a warning. Beware. Beware. Living for the esteem of others is dangerous. Listen, if you live for your boss's esteem, you'll be a workaholic. If you live for your kid's esteem, you're going to live and die by their success and failure. And both of those will be wholly insufficient to satisfy the longing inside your heart. But what Jesus is talking about is something way beyond just being insufficient. He's talking about it being dangerous. Dangerous. Beware. Because the danger isn't just that you would live a life not as rich and joyful and satisfactory in him as you could be. The danger is that your heart might be led astray and that you would drift away from Christ. The danger is that you might wake up one day unaware that your heart has gotten harder and harder and hardened a little bit more until you drifted away. Beware. Beware, Jesus says. That certainly doesn't have to be the case for you. You have the heart of Christ beating in your heart. United to the exalted Son. You have the esteem of the Father for the Son. It is all the esteem that you need in your life. And I am fighting to believe that every day right alongside you the perpetual battle for us Enneagram 3s. You're united to the resurrected, exalted Son. You have the esteem of the Father for the Son. Beware. Beware. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the men, the women, and the children in this room right now. Thank you for the men, the women, the children gathering at home online right now. I, I pray that we would heed and hear what Jesus has to say to us. I pray that we would be willing to receive. And that we would beware. That we would guard against living for the celebration, the praise of others. that we would know, we would know that we have the heart of the beating Christ beating inside our own hearts, the resurrected, exalted one. We have all the esteem that we need in him, through him. We have a father who sees us. God, make that real to us. Help us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.